0: That's ixl.com slash B E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where I help you stop putting out fires and start leading. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. mentioned in episode 462 that I'm doing a new training program called how to be a transformative principal. It's for those who are in their first three years of being a principal or assistant principals or aspiring principals who want to level up their game right now. Join me at jetherjones.com slash how the number 2 be how to be. We'll see you there. That's jethrojones.com slash how to be. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I am excited to have Kim Bearden on the program today. Kim is the co-founder and a language arts teacher at the highly acclaimed Ron Clark Academy, an innovative middle school and educator training facility in Atlanta. Each year, over 15,000 educators from around the world visit Kim's classroom and attend her workshops to learn better ways to engage students, build relationships, foster creativity, enhance communication, and create a climate and culture for success. In 2016, Kim was honored at the White House for being inducted into the National Teachers Hall of Fame. She was selected from over 70,000 nominations to be honored as the Disney American Teacher Awards Outstanding Humanities Teacher, and the Milken Family Foundation selector her to receive the Award for Excellence in Education. And she's won more awards, but I don't think she wants me to list them all. So I'll just talk last about her books, Fight Song, Six Steps to Passion, Power, Peace, and Purpose, Talk to Me, Find the Right Words to Inspire, Encourage, and Get Things Done, and Crash Course, The Life Lessons My Students Taught Me. Kim, welcome to Transformative Principles. So excited to have you.
1: Oh, I'm excited to have this opportunity to chat with you today.
0: Well, um, so the Ron Clark Academy is a, is a big deal. Uh, Ron Clark came and spoke in my district a few years ago up in Fairbanks, and that was pretty cool. We had a teacher from Georgia at the time who had actually been to Ron Clark. So she was super excited and got everybody stoked about it. And you guys do things a little bit differently there. Um, So can you talk to us a little bit about what Ron Clark Academy does and the professional development you provide for uh, teachers and administrators as well?
1: Absolutely. So uh, Ron Clark and I just to give you a backstory. We met in the year 2000, and we just both had this kind of shared passion for the way that we like to teach. And so he told me, he said, you know, what, you and I should start a school together one day. But sometimes teachers say that, or you know, if I had my own school, this would be what I would do. And I said, sure, Ron, we'll start a school. I really did not think that it would happen. I was a principal at the time. And so it took us several years, but we actually did build the school. He wrote a book called The Essential 55, and uh, Oprah made it a book pick. And so we took the money from that, put it into a foundation, and that's how we actually Began, but where the premise of the school is, is that we had this idea. Both of us had had the opportunity of being able to go around and talk to different teachers, do workshops, professional development. I was still a classroom teacher, still am, but an and an administrator. And so we both realized that when you provide professional development it's wonderful, it's great, but sometimes people need to actually see it to really understand what you're saying. You know, there's a whole deeper level when you can immerse somebody in an actual classroom setting. And so the idea was, what if we find the best teachers that we could find, and instead of closing our doors like we do in education, what if we open our doors? What if we invite educators to come in, sit in our classes, watch our teaching methods, So that they can learn from it and take medicine ideas back to their classroom, not because we're perfect, because there's no such thing as perfect teachers and we're dealing with real kids and, you know, we're real humans, but there is such a depth of learning that happens when you can watch other teachers teach. And in our profession, it's a real void because, you know, you go through your student teaching experience, if you happen to be paired with a mediocre teacher, well, that might be the only example other than the teachers you had um, of what teaching could and should look like. And so we thought it was a good idea, but it really did take off because now we've just surpassed over 90,000 educators that have been here. Um, they come and they go from class to class, watch different kinds of personalities, but some of the similarities and some of the common principles that we really hold true here. And they attend workshops where we teach them how we're doing the things we do. And today it was really great because today we had 150 uh, principals, administrators mm-hmm. here actually. And so the workshops were a little bit tailored more to them. Like, how do you create this from an administrative level?
0: Yeah, so let's talk about creating it from an administrative level. So I wrote a book recently called School X, which is about how to redesign your school to meet the needs of the people right in front of you. It's Mm -hmm. so important to do that, and going to Ron Clark Academy and seeing the energy and the graffiti on the walls and the slides and all that is a big deal. And a lot of people go there and then walk away saying, we can't do all that stuff, therefore we shouldn't even try. What's your advice to someone who wants to adopt similar things to what you're doing, what's your advice to them?
1: Oh, I love that question because, you know, we we are blessed with a very beautiful facility. It's a 100-year-old factory that was renovated. But the reason that donors, because we're a nonprofit, and, and I should say all the professional development we do, 100% of the proceeds go back to support students. And so we're real proud of that. That's something that's really important to us. But the donorship contributed to the school, it's really a gift to teachers everywhere. It's not just, you know, we're fortunate that we get to be in this space every day. But they wanted there to be a place where an educators come, that they can see beauty and fun and magic, but also learn and so the, the key things that we teach in the classroom setting could be done in anywhere. And every teacher that is hired to work here has to have a background in public education and how they use these methods and techniques in a public school setting. And so the three things that we tell people, you know, when, if you're coming here, if you focus on these three things, there are things that you could take and do anywhere. And the first piece is the student engagement piece. Don't have to have flying dragons. You know, it's 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 about, you know, how do you engage students in the learning process through the discussions, through the, the energy, the enthusiasm, through the digging deeper? Um, it, and, and if a child becomes disengaged, how do you re-engage them? The second piece is that we are very academically rigorous but we believe in very high expectations i like to say that high expectations are your outward manifestation of your belief in someone because if you think about if you set low expectations you're really saying well baby i don't think you can do it either (laughs) you know you're not but you can't just set those expectations of course you have to provide the support the structure to be able to help kids reach them and then the third piece is that climate and culture and it is it's this mixture of there's a lot of expectations here and discipline and respect because you have to have a safe environment But we combine that with the passion, the joy, the energy. And so a lot of times when people will see like video footage and things, we've been very fortunate. There's been a lot of, you know, things that have gone viral or moments at our school there is a lot of singing and dancing and joy. And, and, and that's the kind of thing that makes people happy. And so that's what they share. It's not as sexy to maybe see kids standing up in, in a classroom and having a very deep discussion about something. But that is really the key of what's happening in the classroom is that depth of knowledge and learning, um, in addition to lots of movement and music and things that make it fun as well. And the other piece is that we really hone in here on how do you build a rapport and relationship with your students? You know, how do you get to know them? We like to say that every child f- should feel seen every child. And so what are the strategies and techniques you can do to make sure that every child, when they come to school every day, they feel like they're in a safe place where they're loved, that they're supported. Um, and so they're willing to dig in and do that hard work.
0: Yeah. So you talked a little bit about the fun and the music and the dancing and all that kind of stuff, which is, which is great, but not everybody has that personality to be successful or even comfortable with that. And so, How do you, how do you help people? So let me back up a second. So one of the things that I often tell people is don't try to copy someone else, try to take what they are doing and see how it applies to you. And so if my personality is not the jump on the table and dance and scream, I, it would be silly for me to try to do that. So how do you help someone see what their unique gifts are that make it possible for them to be an amazing leader?
1: I love that question, um, too. One of the things when educators come here, what I share with them is I say, oh, yeah, you know, Ron jumps on tables. I tend to a little bit, too. But, for example, Susan Barnes is an incredible teacher on our staff, and she's an author and a poet and a musician, and she's a very different vibe. In 15 years, I've never seen that woman jump on a table once. <laughs> yeah. But what I say is that she doesn't have to because that's not who she is. It's the authenticity. But when she speaks, there is this, this hunger that she connect with the students and that they connect with her. And that's passion. And so what I tell people is that it's that passion piece and it may look very different from you than it looks for me, but what people know is that when you exude passion, people are drawn to it. And you don't have to be jumping on tables to exude passion. It could just be that you are so really intense about this, you know, how much you want the kids to have it or, or that you're excited about it, you know. and kids can see that. And so that's really important. And, and it's one of those things that when teachers come here, we really do address that. We say, you do you. You don't wanna be an imitation of somebody else. Find the things that matter. However, you do wanna find ways to bring joy into the classroom because then kids will love learning. And you got to think about things that that matter to you, that that are comfortable for you. You do need to find ways to bring movement into the classroom. And we've all sat through professional development days of our own. We're like, I'm going to die if I have to sit here another minute. I need to get up and walk around, even if you're engaged, even if you like what the teacher's saying. And there's research that says, you know, kids need anywhere from 70 to 90 minutes of physical activity a day. Well, we know that's not happening. So instead of just making that an addition to, I feel like there's a lot of ways that we teach teachers to incorporate movement into the classroom. I'm not a dancer. I mean, that's like the big joke here. So I'm, yeah. not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not dancing. Um, but what I, I do is I have different hand movements and gestures, I have ways, strategies, even games where I teach them, you know, having the kids get up, move to different parts of the room, stand, you know, where they're still really focusing on the academic standards. Um, so we teach strategies for that as well. Also teach ways to incorporate music. If you're not going to sing something, you know, you don't have to, but, you know, there's lots of different ways that you can use tricks using music and, and, and even the kind of music you select can set tone and mood and that kind of thing. So they're really, there are tools. I, I, I say here that we we like to sprinkle magic. And by that, I mean, I don't ever want kids to walk in here and go, what, how are you going to entertain me today? You know, I want, you mm-hmm. know, today we're, we're going to do work today, but We do mix it up a lot. There is movement. Sometimes there's songs. Sometimes there's just, you know, there's exposed, you know, really encouraging to be creative. Other times it's very, very traditional. But that way we're meeting the needs of all different kinds of learners and they're getting exposed to the material in multiple ways as well.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about those different ways because I think this is something that people see the clips online and think all you guys do is yell and scream and dance and go down slides and obviously that's not the case but that's what gets shared because that's what is unique and so Mm -hmm. what are what are some of the I guess more low-key ways that you that you show kids that the work we're doing here matters and Mm -hmm. it's it's worth taking the time
1: on so there's a lot of protocols that that these are what we call call our RCA isms things that like in the classroom what are expectations that we have for learning and and some of them are very subtle but they're game changers I feel like so I had taught 20 years when we created this school so now this is my 35th year I should tell you as an educator so I've been doing this a long time so for example um one of the things that we do is we expect the students, whenever someone is speaking, they should be adre- looking toward the speaker, right? Like now we, of course, you have to take into like cultural things if somebody can't look you in the eye, if you're an adult, of course you have to be aware of that, it's very important. But whoever's speaking, that the, the attention is turned to whoever's speaking, that's a sign of respect. And they like that because they realize, oh, my voice has power, my voice matters. When someone is speaking here, um, this is a simple protocol, but it's a really game changer. No one's hand can be raised when someone else is speaking. Because if I'm raising my hand while you're speaking, what am i thinking about? I'm thinking about what I want to say. I've stopped mm. listening to you completely, right? And, you know, every teacher out there has had that experience where you're explaining directions for five minutes, and this child's got the hand in the air, <laughs> and then you say, yes, what is it? And they ask you, what well, you just been explaining? It's maddening. So you have kids have to unlearn those things. But we teach them. I say, you know, sometimes it's even just with a simple nod. Okay, now you can raise your hand. And eventually it gets to the point where our students – when they answer they don't even raise their hands they stand and they address the class now do shy kids do that yes because i tell them and a lot of it is how you even frame things with students i say introverted personality types are very beautiful personality types sometimes you're more reflective you know you you, you stop and you think before you speak but if you have all this knowledge and i don't teach you how to share it with others that i'm doing a disservice because you've got so much inside of you that needs to be heard and so they, they learned that. And so our students here, when the teachers give questions, the students always know that immediately when they give an answer, they don't ever just give the answer. They have to tell why it's the answer. So kids are always, it's not like why, why? The kids know, oh, it is this answer. It is, this is a compound complex sentence because we know that two independent clauses plus one subordinate clause, they know that they have to follow up with that. And then we teach teachers how to make sure that every, instead of it just being teacher-student, teacher-student interaction, how every child in the classroom is involved in the conversation. So our students will actually call upon different students and say, you know, did anybody else get that answer? Does anybody else agree with me? Did anybody else make a mistake right there?
0: John Cat Educational supports high-quality teaching and learning by providing publications that are research-based, practical, and focused on the key topics proven essential in today's and tomorrow's schools. The latest John JohnCat publications include a book whose bold, transformative ideas amaze and infuriate people around the world, according to one reviewer, a title from Global Leaders in Curriculum Planning, Practice, and Retrieval, one book that says Stop Talking and Start Doing with regard to teacher well-being, and much more. These books used by educators of all roles across North America and worldwide amplify fresh, engaging voices with practical strategies to create transformative change. Learn more in our show notes at jethrojones.com podcast.
1: Um, one of the things when people watch the teaching, they say is the most profound moments is that students will stand up and say, I want to tell you where I made my mistake. Well, that first of all, you have to feel safe to do that. Right. Yeah. There has to be an mm-hmm. environment where that doesn't mean I'm, I'm not stupid because I messed it up. You know, I don't like that word. I, 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 I just I made a mistake because we make mistakes when learning. But if a child can tell you this is where I made my mistake, I realized what I did wrong. that's such an even deeper level of learning because they're able to really analyze, okay, so that they don't make that mistake again. So there's a lot of that. There's a lot of the conversation, the teacher may throw out a question, but really then the students will be the ones discussing it. So we, we show how all those types of pieces of the puzzle are really, really integral and important when digging deeper into the content and digging much deeper and that could be done in a field that doesn't have to be done in building with flying dragons and so you know (laughs) so these are the kinds of things that i think are really powerful for for teachers to understand um and the other piece is that whole idea that every child is seen you know are you making an effort to to engage with every child to get to know that child what what is interesting to that child you know to try to pull things into your classroom of topics that have interest and use those to help drive your curriculum and, and and things like that so we do a lot of examples of how to do that with kids and so I always tell teachers and honestly COVID proved this COVID we were in our basements teaching these kids when it first began we were 100 virtual we didn't have this building you know how do you still make that magic in the classroom? How do you still, you know, nurture those connections and those kinds of things? And so you don't have to have a a beautiful facility, but you do need to have the relationships. You do need to teach in multiple ways and you do need to learn to amplify student voices. And I think that's one of the things that we really think is very important here.
0: So how did you then engage students when it was virtual? And uh, obviously, we so weren't virtual the whole time, but
1: we were not. Um, we were virtual from March of 2020 until January of 2021, and then we had a hybrid model. So I was teaching kids in the Zoom and kids in the room. So that was, <laughs> and those of us that did that, not not an ideal situation. And then we, um, and then we came all back last April. So we've been back in person since then. So um, we were fortunate in that all of our kids had an iPad, and uh, a large percentage of my students come from low wealth situations. But we had already gone through processes with Comcast and things like that to make sure that all of our students had internet in their home. Now some of them had weaker signals, and so that was a challenge too, like trying to get some hotspots donated and things, which we did for some kids. So that helped. So what we did is we shut down on a Thursday. On Monday we started having class, and so the way we did it is we actually, until we got everything set up, we actually had Facebook a private Facebook group for each grade level. And so we would, it was kind of more directed instruction and kids commenting in the comments. But then by the end of that week, we had Zoom set up. So our kids would go to class, the different classes. We would actually have one, like a fourth, there'd be like a fifth grade Zoom room. So the teachers would come in and out of the Zoom room. But within that, we did a lot of, um, you know, a lot of cool things with technology and, you know, digging deeper in, in, the, in the resources that we had there. But we also still even tried to incorporate things like movement. I would say okay y'all so here's the deal we're going to go over these questions right now i'm gonna make a multiple choice so i need you to go get something red blue yellow and green from anywhere in your house just i don't care what do you want us to get Miss Beard? anything i don't care what it is just get anything you want to get but it has to be red yellow blue and green you have to be able to pick it up and so they, i said you got one minute go and so like they just all you could see like all this activity and then they come back and then i put the questions up but the questions are color-coded and so if it's the blue answer they'd hold up a mop or someone would hold up like a can of you know clorox or whatever it was hilarious but they wanted to show everybody what their weird thing was that they held up but then, of course, I would do what a teacher would do and explain the answers and go over it. So even little things like that, you know, lots of hand movements and gestures. Um, we learned how to do high fives like you would high five the side mm-hmm. of the screen and high five one another and, you know, all yeah. those kind of things. And so we would try to incorporate stuff like that. And honestly, during the pandemic, we made sure that there was always time in the class period too, just to say, how you doing? Like, talk to me like. Is that a dog? What's your dog's name? I'd write down all the names of all their pets, and so even when they came back, I'd like put sentences up there to have all their, you know, all their dogs' names and stuff, just to make them feel special. Did not require our kids to turn on cameras because, you know, we know that there's some sensitivity to that. But what I found is when I would do these games and things, they would all turn the cameras on, and so it 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 really helped build that that sense. You know, if they turn it off, it'd be for just a minute. They come back, go, I'm sorry, Miss Beard. Okay, I'm back. You know, so um it kind of became i never said oh you have to turn that camera on but because i tried to make it where it was not just me talking at them but us engaging with each other they they did it they wanted to do it
0: yeah that was that was my same experience that when you made sure there was a reason for the camera to be on then mm-hmm. people are much more willing to do it and it's it's just a a simple human behavior thing if you if you care about someone they mm-hmm. want you to see them And they don't try to hide. And so a a lot of, from my perspective, a lot of people struggled with that during Zoom school because they didn't have those relationships in place. They didn't know how to put those relationships in place once they weren't in person anymore. And it was just a real challenge for them. So I can see how that's a, a struggle for sure. So let's talk a little bit about retraining the kids when they come to your school about the expectations that you have about the culture in your school. Mm -hmm. How intentional are you and what kinds of things are intentional? This is how we teach them. And what kind of things are, you'll figure this out over time.
1: Um, I would say definitely we lean toward very intentional. I feel like, well, all right. So 35 years ago, when I started teaching, (laughs) (laughs) I can remember, uh, and by the way, it was crazy today, Jethro, I had an administrator here and I taught her in the sixth grade. Oh, wow. She was here today and i was and i taught her my her, my first year teaching so that was kind of a cool full circle moment but <laughs> um so um very intentional but i remember being told oh you just need three rules be respectful be on time be prepared well i learned very quickly that respect looks very different to different people mm-hmm. and so it's very important i think to be very specific with kids so you're, you're setting them up for success not trying to catch them right you know and so what we do here um, is the first days of school, and we'll actually even do like a summer orientation. I know that's not something everybody can do, but what we do is we have the kids in small groups, and they go to meet everybody in the building. Now, when I say that, if you've got, you know, 450 teachers can't do that, but I mean, like when I say everybody in the building, they meet Ms. Burns, who works at the front desk. They meet Mr. Hutch, who's in charge of the facility, and they tell a little bit about who they are, and they say, these are the ways you can help me you know, if the trash can's overflowing, let me tell you what I need you to do. Or if there's no toilet paper or when you splatter water, you know, or if you're late and you need to permit. So they kind of talk about what their role is in the job. So the kids already feel that sense of comfort in the space. But then what we do is we role play. Um, We talk about, whenever we're talking about expectations here, we talk about what it looks like and what it sounds like. So for me, for example, you know, when you are in my classroom, there's a way I want you to sit. Now, when I say that, of course, I don't want you to be robotic, but, if you're slumping down, you get your head on your hand and you you put your head on the desk. Well, to me, that doesn't feel respectful. So what I request is that when you're in my classroom, you know, and and I'll even role play and I'll say it, I'll even have a kid sit and stand up there. And I say, okay, how do you want everybody to sit when you're talking, you know, and they're like, oh yeah, I I see the difference. Let's all slump and let's show them what it feels like to slump, you know, so we're all slumping. So we'll show them what it, what it shouldn't look like and then what it should, or, you know, if you are corrected, um, if a teacher, you know, if I have to say, you know, hey, you know, I need you to stop doing this. How do I want you to respond respectfully? Now, what if you just dis- disagree with the correction? When's the appropriate time to talk about that? You know, what I would love is if you would just say, um, yes, ma'am. And we just keep moving. It's over. You know, and so we kind of role play like I say, OK, who's a good actor? Can you OK, I want you to act this out. I want you to just keep like I'm going to ask you to do something. I want you to like roll your eyes and I want you to, you know, and they'll kind of laugh. And I'll say at the end of the day, who did hurt you? You got the detention, baby. It didn't hurt me at all. It hurts you. So we kind of talk through. So if you do want to talk to me, when, when do you do that? After class, yes, how could you approach me? Miss Beeren, can I talk to you for a minute? Actually, when you thought I was talking, I was actually given a pencil, to say, you know, whatever it is. So we kind of tell them all these different scenarios. And we say, these are how we want you to handle these scenarios so that we can all respect each other. And just by even role-playing and even having a little fun when you role-play it, it really makes a big difference. And the other thing that I think is also important from an administrator's perspective, is that one of the biggest challenges I think administrators have is inconsistency in their building, right? You know, you have those teachers, even though you've got the behavior management plan, you've got what the expectations are, you know that in some buildings, there's one teacher who sends a kid to the office every class period. And there's another one who never sends the same group of kids, right? And they Mm -hmm. handle it. And so um, one of the things that we do with our, our staff during the summer is we get them all together and we'll put up there maybe 50 scenarios of things kids have done or things that kids could do. And they could be minor things or even major things. And then we just have a discussion and we get everybody in the room. And I was, you know, so, so how do you handle that? How do you handle that? And what it does, there's still gonna be people who have different personalities but it makes us more like-minded because it's like, oh, that makes so much sense. Oh, you know what? I, that's so logical, I really like that. And so the kids then don't feel set up like when they go to one classroom and that's not allowed but in this classroom it is, it causes confusion. And so that that consistency of expectations, I think, is a really powerful, important thing.
0: Yeah. And I really appreciate one thing I want to highlight from all you said is that you ask the kids to stand up and say, what, how do you want people to respond when you're talking? So mm-hmm. a lot of times in schools, this becomes a control issue that I'm the adult, I'm in control and you have to do what I want. And there's no reciprocation of how do you want to be treated? And it sounds like that is happening at Ron Clark Academy.
1: Yes, definitely. Um, that, that's a big part of it. It's not. It's not teacher student teacher student. It's student, student student student. Like how we all interact with one another, with each other in this space, so that we all feel safe and we all feel secure. We all feel happy. That's a big part of it. And so yeah, their voices matter. And it is interesting because when you when you put it in that perspective, all of a sudden they're like, oh, you're right. Like I, that 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 felt awful when everybody put their head down on the desk when I was talking, you know. And it does. It makes a big difference. It's very eye opening for kids.
0: Yeah, and also when you. When you talk about respecting other people's cultures and how they respond, you know, some kids may not want people to look at them when they're talking, and that may make them uncomfortable. So they may say, you know, everybody just look at your neighbor or look at the teacher while I'm talking. That could be a response. And if that is, and it really is a culture of respect, then everybody's going to do that because they want to show respect. And what I really like about those examples is that. It really teaches that it's not about forcing people to adopt to our culture. It's Mm -hmm. about defining what our culture is and then inviting everyone to respect that and to participate in it. And when you take that approach, then the natural response is to do that. And the unnatural response is to know what the expectation is of the culture and go against it. (laughs) And so people don't feel as comfortable, but we don't take the time to talk about those things and and go through them. So so my last question for you today is, what is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative leader like you, Kim?
1: Well, thank you for calling me that, first of all. But um, I often tell administrators, I tell everybody really, that you must exude what you hope to create. You must exude what you hope to create. If you want enthusiastic, engaged, joyful staff, you've got to be enthusiastic, engaged, and joyful. If you want, you know, students who feel loved and supportive, you've got to be loving and supportive. Mm-hmm. It, it really starts with us, and, and that's a heavy burden to bear, especially in the middle of a global pandemic when there is, you know, all-time record of teacher anxiety and, and you know and 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 stress and things like that. Because as administrators, we feel that stress too. Mm-hmm. But. What we tell our staff here is that if, if they can support one another and lift each other up and exude that kind of joy, then it becomes contagious. You know, positivity and negativity are both contagious. So, what are you going to spread? And so, I do get to visit schools from time to time been, and, and met some incredible schools, incredible leaders at schools. But every once in a while, you'll get a principal to get up there and say, Okay, so we need to be really excited for these kids. We really need to do a great. And they're, I'm like, oh, my gosh, like you're you're, you're, ex- you're exemplifying everything you don't want. And then when the staff doesn't do it, you're you're, you're like and frustrated. But you, you've got to you've got to model through the way that we the way you engage with your staff members, the way you engage with your students, what it should look like. And that's that's not easy. But if you really want to be transformative and then once you're able to build that in your school, what's great is that it becomes part of the culture. And so it's not all in you anymore. Everybody feels that responsibility to help with supporting one another.
0: Yeah. Well, and your school starts to attract the people who want that to be the case. So like Ron Clark Academy, you have to be a certain type of teacher to even want to work there. Yes. And then that makes it so that the only people who apply for jobs at your school, when there is an opening, are the kind of people who want to be there in the first place, and they're probably the kind of people that you want to hire. And every school can do that. And this is something that you don't have to be famous. You don't have to be the most engaging or most amazing person out there. You have to be the best you that you can be. And I, Mm -hmm. I think you summed that up really perfectly. So thank you. What's the best way for people to continue learning from you, Kim?
1: So um, on social media, I'm Kim Bearden everywhere. So K-I-M-B-E-A-R-D-E-N. So I tend to put a lot of most of my educational things on Instagram, um, but I am on Twitter and I am on Facebook as well. I, 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 I've done some TikTok stalking, but I haven't posted anything on TikTok <laughs> yet. But now, I, so I, I don't have anything up there yet. I also have a website, KimBearden.com. And if anybody wants to learn about how they could actually come visit the Academy, um, and and we have lots of different professional uh, development opportunities. If you go to ronclarkacademy.com, it has all of the dates, how everything is set up, all the different kinds of um, resources and opportunities that we provide are there.
0: Okay, cool. Thank you so much. This has been great talking with you, Kim. Thanks so much for your time today.
1: Thank you so much.